to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Jump straight into the Bible. Mark chapter 10 is where I'm at. Verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. Jesus is on this journey that you can find in the Gospels, especially apparent in the Gospel of Luke from about Luke 9 to 19, of Jesus journeying towards Jerusalem. He tells his disciples along the way that he knows his fate as he gets to Jerusalem, that it will be death, it'll be resurrection, it'll be rejection, it'll be pain, it'll be suffering. He goes on this journey that you can follow through the Gospels, and at this particular juncture of the journey, he's getting closer to Jerusalem, Jericho, is interestingly an oasis in the Jordan Valley. It's the lowest city in the world. It's 258 metres below sea level. It's very close to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is just down the road. It's as close. uh, Basically, if this was Jericho, Jerusalem would be Queen's Beach. So it's that close. But Jerusalem is about 750 metres above sea level. So you could walk to uh, Queen's Beach and take you a while but you could walk there fairly steadily on a fairly generally flat surface. If you walk from Jericho to Jerusalem, you're going up seriously hills. You're going up some good uh, steep inclines there. And Jesus is on this journey literally up to Jerusalem to be crucified, to die for us, be resurrected from the dead for our sins, for our eternal life, for which I am eternally grateful that he's doing that. And he has this whole crowd with him. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, there's a crowd following with Jesus, people who are curious on the periphery, interested sort of curiosity seekers. There are disciples at the core of this team. There's a whole crew traveling with Jesus because they have this anticipation that Jesus is not going to Jerusalem to die. He's going to Jerusalem to be the king crowned over a new formed Israel, that Israel would rise again, that Jesus would lead, as it were, an army into Jerusalem and defeat the Romans and they'd recapture back their nationhood, their heritage of the people who are under a covenant with God. And, and there's in this crowd this excitement of a coming kingdom. They don't realize the kingdom is coming in a different way than what they think. They think, in fact, just a story before this one, James and John are asking the question. They actually say to the Lord, Lord, will you do whatever we ask of you? (laughs) Imagine the ability to say that to Jesus. Would you do anything we ask of you? And Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do? When, When you come into your kingdom, Lord, can we sit on your left and your right? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. And they didn't. They had, they had this perception of Christ the King. And amongst the crowd, there was a sense of kingdom is, is coming and they're traveling out and through Jericho onto Jerusalem. And as they were leaving the city, there's a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. He was sitting by the roadside begging. I, I love the Bible and I find the Bible deeply frustrating at some levels Please give us more information. Why isn't there a footnote about this man? A little historic Wikipedia sort of note. Bartimaeus, what's his history? How, how did he get blind? Was he blind from birth? Has he never seen anything or anyone in all his days? Was he blind because of a fight that he got into when he was a kid? Is he blind because he was a mercenary in an army fighting the Roman Empire and wended his way back home? Was he blind because of a disease or a plague? We, we don't know. All we know that he's blind and he's got a begging business. 
There's no national disability insurance scheme back in the first century in Israel. There's no Centrelink office where you go down there and say, I'm blind, I I need some help to kind of get through here. He has to set up, he's a little entrepreneur, if you like, a solopreneur. He's got a little business going, a begging business. He's dependent utterly on people who are going to be generous towards him. We don't even know how he got to the roadside. He's sitting by the roadside, He's begging and he, and he hears a crowd coming and he goes, ooh, good day today. A lot of people come and pass and they sound like a religious mob. So I'll just rattle the tin a bit bigger, you know, because uh, with a big crowd going, maybe there's a festival down Jerusalem there and I can rattle the tin a bit more and I can get a little bit of more money, a bit of sustenance. Could be a good profit margin today for the business. And when he heard... He probably asked someone, what's all the noise about? What's all the crowd about? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible never wastes a word. You've got to love the Bible. I love the Bible. Are there any Africans here who love the Bible? I'll say it again. Are there any Africans here who love the Bible? (laughs) Might get me African on occasionally this morning. See how we go. When he heard that, it doesn't say it was the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't just say Jesus or Christ Jesus. It was Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, that place that had a byline about it. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That Nazareth, that is, that's a nothing town. That's a nobody town. As soon as everybody grows up, they get out of Nazareth because you can't do anything out of Nazareth. You don't even tell people you're out of Nazareth anymore. And this blind man who is at the bottom of the social status order. If you were blind, you you weren't one of the elite. The elite in Israel were the one in 10 people who could read and write. If you could read and write in Israel, you were part of the elite. You were a scribe. You had the chance to become a lawyer. You become somebody in the community. You become a person of note because you had that capacity above others. When you're blind, you're not going to be able to read or write. You're at the bottom. You're not even, you don't even have an occupation. You can't farm the land like the majority of Israelites. You can't have an agricultural business going. All you can do is sit at the bottom of the pile and beg. And when he hears it's Jesus of Nazareth, when he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth, here's a guy from a town who understands what it's to be like to be brushed aside, to become a byline, byline of being useless hopeless, no good. When he hears this Jesus of Nazareth, I'm glad that Jesus didn't come just for somebody. He came for the nobodies. I'm glad they didn't come for those who are just important and significant and have power and are the elite in our society. He came for people like me, broken people like me, people who felt useless, people who felt like they had nothing to offer, nothing to give. Aren't you glad that Jesus came for you? Because you at various times feel like a nobody. You feel insignificant. You don't feel that important. But Jesus of Nazareth, I love the fact he's not Jesus of Jerusalem. He's not Jesus of Rome. Oh man, Rome, the center of power. Biggest city in the known world back then, a million people. Largest city in the known world. Imagine if he was Jesus of Rome. Imagine if he was a senator. Jesus of Rome, the senator, someone of power and significance. No, no, he's Jesus of Nazareth, folks. You feel like a nobody sometimes? Jesus of Nazareth. 
has come for the nobodies. So glad. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. He shouted all the more. Probably the reason they told him to shut up, one of the reasons would have been that he used a title of Jesus that is rarely used in the Gospels. The Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile woman who had a demon-possessed daughter, used it. Jesus used it of himself. Children, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, used it. Son of David, Bartimaeus is the only other person. Very few people use this title in the Gospels. It's a title that recognises kingship. It's a title that recognises authority. It's a title that recognises the Messiah. Now, I reckon people kind of hearing that got a little bit nervous around, thought, oh oh my goodness, uh, the Romans aren't going to like to hear about another king coming to Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem's just the Queen's Beach, folks. It's just down the road. We don't want to kind of let that out. And it's a beggar anyway. Who's a beggar? Beggars aren't worth much. Just shut up over there, Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus has a shout within him. We'll discover a bit later that this is, this is a shout of faith. I love the fact that Bartimaeus doesn't just think, well, it's going to be a good day for the begging business. Rattle the tin, Bart. Rattle the tin. We're going to make a bit of money today. When he hears this Jesus of Nazareth, something pops up within him, this shout of faith, this shout of expectancy, this shout of, oh my goodness, something else could go on in my life today. A shout of faith is all sorts of different things can make up a shout of faith. The key thing about a shout of faith is that Bartimaeus just didn't sit there passive while Jesus walked past. He didn't have himself in cruise mode and within the kind of neutral, just cruising through, Jesus goes by, whatever, I'm going to make some money in my little begging business here. He begins to shout, a shout of faith. A shout of faith can be a, a different thing in different times. It's, it's not just always raising your voice. A shout of faith can be a metaphoric thing. I sat down in, in March this year and I wrote down five things that I need a breakthrough in. Some things for me, some things for Grow a Healthy Church, some things for families, uh, one thing for a friend on here, five things that I wrote down and I, I started a fast. I don't like fasting. Let me just get it out there in case you think I'm really holy. I do not like fasting. Does anyone agree? Let the Africans agree with that. Yeah, the Aussies are joining on that one here. <laughs> They're right there, John. <laughs> and I thought, I, I just, I knew I had to put some legs on my faith. Faith without legs is a rotting corpse, folks. It will not take you anywhere. And I, I was believing God for certain things and certain breakthroughs and certain challenges, had some significant challenges this year. And I thought I, I'm going to have to do what I do not want to do. My shout is going to be a five-day fast. Five days. That's a long time. You know, the fast went so well, I went for 10 days. Now, You've got to know that's God when that happens. If you haven't eaten for five days, you think, gee, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to go another five. You know you've either moved into a place of insanity or the grace of Jesus is upon you in a significant way. Nothing to do with my holiness, nothing to do with my ability at all. But I just knew I had to make a noise. I had to make a statement. 
And, and when Jesus is going by, you have to make sometimes a bit of noise to get the Lord's attention. Sometimes we can sit too passive. Sometimes we can cruise. We can just put ourselves into that end drive, that neutral drive. And we get no traction because we're just kind of hoping, we're wishing, we may be possibly cruising along in our life. Can I say to people in my generation, get out of cruise mode. So good when you get older, you can, you can slap people around a little bit more. No, I want to slap you around, but I want to challenge people of my generation. Don't get into cruise mode. I, I think there's one word that I have banished. Every now and again, someone will say this word to me and it kind of like hits me. It's, it's almost like a, a slap on the face. I've banished one word out of my lexicon. It's an R word. Retirement. Someone said to me just recently, now that you're retired... I just did 22 flights in the last 90 days. That's an average of one flight every four days if you span it out across. If this is retirement. So I created a new word called redesign. I just redesigned our life. Seven, eight years ago, redesigned our life. And what we do, I'm going to redesign. I've decided recently, because as I'm getting older, older looks younger. I can see a few people like, yeah, okay, absolutely. I was getting younger. I'm in my mid-60s now. I had my birthday yesterday. Just recently, I decided, you know what? I can go to 75 doing this. Forget 70. I'm going to 75. Now, if someone tells me at 72, you need to sit down and be quiet, John, and just join the greeters at the door here at Hepburn Heights, I'll take that advice and consider it. Pray about it, but if 10 people tell me that, I'm definitely taking that advice. But in my heart of hearts, I'm going, you know what, Lord? I don't want to be in cruise mode. I want to be in a place where I'm shouting. And this little thing, this little bit of paper, I've put coffee on it in the last six months. That's set on my little table next to my prayer chair for the last six months, seven months. And every now and again, I'll, I'll pull it up and say, Lord, I just want to remind you. It says five-day fast, but I did 10 days. I just want to remind you. <laughs> this is my shout. This is my shout. What's your shout? What's your shout? Sometimes a shout is just persevering. It's just enduring. It's just standing strong. It's coming to church when you don't want to come to church. It's going to connect group when you don't want to go to connect group. It's not avoiding beyond when you want to avoid beyond. You know what I'm talking about. It's just enduring, it's persevering, it's going to work when you don't really want to go to work. It's just saying, Lord, this is my shout. I am enduring through this. Sometimes that shout is standing with a friend who is absolutely going through hell and you're just ringing them, you're texting them, you're loving them, you're baking them a little nice low-carb protein rich cake that no thing exists like that, just bake them a chocolate cake. Enjoy that chocolate cake, and you're just standing with that friend, you're boosting them, you're looking after them, and they're batting you away. But I got a friend at the moment who is just horrendous at communication. I mean, horrendous at a communication. Meant to be at a breakfast with me the other day. Text him, follow him up. Yes, I'm coming two days for the breakfast. Forgets totally about the breakfast. Good grief, what sort of friend is that? There's no one here, it's okay. It's not AJ, it would never be AJ. It would never be AJ. Give it up for AJ. But my shout with this friend is I will keep chasing this friend down because I know why they're kind of, they're just going through stuff. 
And my shout out is, I'm, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to keep hounding you. I'm the hound of heaven for you. Maybe it's standing at work in a place of integrity. Where integrity is kind of getting, you know, people are dodging, people are doing kind of wonky deals here and there, and they want you in on the wonky deal. A shout of faith doesn't always have to be noisy. It can just be, you know what, I'm not doing that. That might cost me professionally. That might cost me my workplace, but, but I'm not going down that track. Sometimes I think a non-shout is just letting life happen to you. It's kind of thinking about the future with anxiety and worry rather than Jesus. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, you have, you can come through on this. I find every now and again I have to kind of slap myself and say, John, stop thinking bad anxiety, worry stuff about the future. Why don't you take a stance of faith about the future? When I started to do that recently, that's when I decided I'm not stopping at 70, I'm going to 75. I reckon I'll get to 71, 72 and go, you know what, I still feel pretty good. I still feel okay. Jason's still having me preach every now and again here. I must be doing okay because he won't ask me if I'm not doing okay. I hope that's the case anyway. Otherwise, this is deeply embarrassing for all of us and you're wanting to stop and go home now. But I read about 72. I'm going to 80. I'm going to 80. Why stop? Just because someone 120 years ago invented the concept of retirement doesn't mean it needs to live in your heart and your mind and your mouth. Get rid of that word. Replace it with redesign. Have a shout around your future. I'm going to say that again. Let the Africans go wild. Have a shout about your future. Oh, I'm going to go again. Have a shout about your future. Those of you who have teenagers... Have a shout about your child's future. Those of you who have little kids and they're not teenagers yet, but you're fretting already about them being 13. Have a shout about your child's future. Have something in you. Have a gift of faith. Have a word from God. Have something in you that stands against that. And says, you know what, God, this is going to be different. This is going to be different. It doesn't have to be like that. Have a shout in you. I love Bartimaeus. This guy inspires me. Imagine being a blind beggar and yelling out what hardly anyone else yells out. What a guy. Going to see him in heaven. Bart. Just call him Bart. Which basically means son. We'll call him Bart. Many rebuked him. Verse 48, told him to be quiet, be shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. (laughs) Don't you love that? Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus notices faith. When you have a shout of faith, that's, that's why I kept this little note. Because Jesus notices faith. And so, some of these things, I tell you what, some of these things are stubborn beggars. Some of them are starting to move. Oh, seven months, come on, Lord. Ten days, for goodness sake, should be really kind of express delivery on that. We should be in the fast lane here. That was a little pun. I didn't mean to say that anyway, but anyway, whatever. Some of you will get it tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called to the blind man. 
Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. What a mob of idiots. One minute they're saying, shut up, shut up. Jesus said, call him. Oh, cheer up, buddy. On your feet. Here we go. He's calling you. The madness of crowds. Good grief. Don't always go with the crowd. I love verse 50. This guy's blind. He throws his cloak aside. Possibly his cloak was where he collected his coins. You know, a bit like a busker, have a guitar case there or some sort of thing. Probably the cloak was where people were throwing the coins. He throws it aside. Cloak was what kept him warm at night. It's just an expressive way that Mark says, hey, this guy is on to a new thing. He's on to a new life. There's faith already. He jumped to his feet. <laughs> it's a blind person jumping to their feet. You're going to be looking around for a bit of help. Help me out here. Jumps to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Slightly stupid question, Lord, but we'll let you get away with that one. But what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) It's not a bad question, actually. What do you want the Lord to do for you? Got my list. What do, you, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What is it? In your head, answer this question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What is it? Is it relationships? Is it mindset? Is it attitude? Is it work? Is it money? Is it church? What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Come on. In your head, come up with one thing. Got that one thing in your head? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Jesus asked, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want you to prosper my blind begging business. <laughs> Sometimes you can shoot too low. He could have said that. We didn't find out until he says these words, I want to see. We don't know what he really wanted. Maybe he was thinking about his business. Lord, Lord could you just tell everyone to drop two coins into my little can over there, into my overthrown cloak. Can you, I just got a bit excited. Can you get everyone to drop three coins? And there's, there's hundreds of people here, Lord. This could be my retirement fund. <laughs> Don't shoot too low. I, I find the Lord, the Lord sometimes is just, sometimes the Lord is just bad. Cut and paste that and put that on a current affair. There you go. You can make anyone, you can make anyone look evil. Be careful. Careful what you're taking. Sometimes the Lord is just... Simon McIntyre, my great friend, Pastor C3 London, he said, God's good, but he's not nice. God is not nice. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Nice is not an attribute of God. God's a father. And fathers will stir motivate and inspire and push and prod. And I find Father sometimes pushes and prods me. Don't ask me to bless your blind begging business, John. Don't ask me to bless that. I don't want to bless a blind begging business. I want to do something bigger than that. Do you know in the Old Testament, you'll find this in Old Testament too at the Bible College... I did this for a lot of years. I know how to get a little plug in there. <laughs> no one in the Old Testament got healed of blindness. 
All your Bible people now going ding, 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 ding. No one. It was a promise reserved for the coming of Christ. I'll give sight to the blind. It's a reserved miracle. It's a reserved miracle. And it came to a guy who refused to settle for a blind begging business. He said, I want to see, because you're the son of David. You're the Messiah. You're not just Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you, you came from that little place and not Rome. But you're the son of God. And you can heal blind people. No one could do it before you, Lord. You are unique. I tell you, there's no one like Jesus. And all the Africans said, Ooh. And all the Aussies said, Ooh, yeah, well done, good and awesome. I want to see. Jesus said, done, already done, mate, no problem. You little ripper. It's already done, fixed, solved, go. Your faith has healed you. <laughs> no prayer, no laying on of hands. Done. You already got it. You believe for it. You had a shout of faith. I'm responding to that shout of faith. Without faith, without a shout of faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Jesus is very happy right now. Very happy because this guy has had something in him. Something in him. He said his, he said his sights, <laughs> literally, high. I want to see. I don't, I don't worry about my blind begging business. I'm giving up begging. I'm not begging anymore. I want to see, Lord. You're the son of God. You can do this. Immediately he received his sight. and oh, Don't you love the last part of the verse? He followed Jesus along the road. He's going to Jerusalem. I'm not staying here in Pabri. I'm going to Queens Beach. I'm not hanging around. Jer- Jericho's the place where I was a beggar. I'm not staying in my begging place. I'm going to my place where my king's going. I'm going to my place where the son of God's going, the son of David, the one I'm following, the one who's given me sight. I'm telling everybody. Can you imagine the whole crowd of the hundreds and thousands? Probably threw a bit of money at him to help me along the way anyway. And he's going, this is amazing because his life has been changed through a shout of faith. This morning, the Lord wants to do a number of things in you, not for you, in you. Because if he does them in you, he'll do them through you and for you. He wants to give you a gift of faith. Sometimes you can kind of just be bubbling along on your level of faith and the Lord can drop in, 1 Corinthians 12, a gift of faith distributed by the Holy Spirit as he wants to. I remember once years ago, it was actually on Pastor Phil Pringle's floor, altar call area of their building in Oxford Falls. It was 1996 and we're in the process of planning and raising money for this building. We're back in our old building in Belgrade. I went out the front. I was over there for a conference. I went out there on a Sunday night service, got out the front, got prayed for, went down. I'm just lying on the floor and a gift of faith came into me that night for this building. I got up from the floor going, we are going to build this building. I know it now. I kind of believe for it. I was working with AJ. We're working out proverbials off to make it happen and I came away from that meeting going I know we're going to do this you could not shake me for about two or three weeks anyone could say anything about no I know it's going to happen I just know I know I know I know no shadow of doubt lasts for about two or three weeks it was just like zoom bang wow that's the gift of faith Some of you, what you need is a spirit of faith you need a fresh anointing of faith why don't you all stand right now
I want you to pull back into your heart and mind right now, that very thing. What do you want Jesus to do for you? I'm picking one of the things off my five this morning. I'm going kind of, I'm going full on with this one. What is it? Pull it up in your heart and mind. Pull it up. What is it? What is it? Some of you, the Lord's going to drop into your heart a gift of faith. You're going to get a gift of faith this morning. Gift of faith is distributed by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a knowing in your heart that that thing that you want the Lord to do is going to come to pass. Some of you are going to have a fresh anointing, a spirit of faith. It's an anointing of faith. It's an enlargement of your capacity to believe God. Some of you have amazing dreams. Amazing dreams. Some of you are entrepreneurs. Some of you have capacity for even more than what you think you have capacity for. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of anyone what the Lord has prepared for you. That's a word to a number of you this morning. You can go beyond even your dreams. I am beyond any of my dreams now. I've got to say, I didn't dream big enough. God can take you past your dreams. Father, I'm praying right now. Holy Spirit is here in a significant, powerful way right now. Some of you, the gift of faith is going to enter into your heart. You're going to have an awareness that the Lord is going to bring to pass what you have worked for, prayed for, believed for. Others of you, you're going to experience it. Anointing of the Holy Spirit, fresh oil. Fresh oil is going to come on you. Fresh presence, fresh touch, spirit of faith. It's just going to melt away the unbelief, the uncertainty. you where you stand just to say to the Lord, Lord, this is what I'm aiming for and I believe you for it. Just say it in your own way, in your own words. Make a confession of faith now. A confession of faith. What you're believing the Lord for. Some of you have held this, this one thing that you got now in your mind. You've held it in your heart, but you've never written it down. I want you, when you get home, write it down somewhere. Put on a bit of paper, put it into your phone, put it somewhere that it'll, it'll bump back into your world regularly. That this is the one thing, Lord, I want you to do for me. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, let a gift of faith be distributed to your people right now. A gift of faith. I'm praying for Jace and Em as they lead our church that this morning a gift of faith would flow into their hearts in a fresh way. Praying for the exec, the board, that a gift of faith will flow into our leaders. Praying for every connect group leader, that a gift of faith 
every server, every volunteer, every leader in our church, a gift of faith will fly in there. People struggling with serious doubts, a gift of faith would settle in their spirit. People will go home with a shout. They'll begin to act on that faith. They'll begin to take steps based on that faith. They'll begin to do things because of that faith. There'll be deeds, actions, decisions out of faith. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.